Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another edition, and this week we're covering one of Chris's choices, 1996, a live effort by the band Royal Hunt, one of one of our favorites. Uh, but before we get there, Chris, how are you doing? Very good, very good. Um, didn't really listen to much this week other than Royal Hunt. I'm definitely just... This album put me in a Royal Hunt headspace. So I totally hear you. Um, it, it brought back a lot for me as well. I, I did have a chance to listen to a couple of other things. I should note that as we record this, a ton of bands release singles today. Uh, Crazy Licks, Hardcore Superstar, Iron Maiden. I mean, just a ton of stuff came out today. Uh, but the three that I really wanted to focus on were... Um, First of all, a band called As the Sun Falls is coming up with their uh, debut album, The Last Days of Light. It comes out on September 18th. Awesome melodic death metal. Um, really, really well done. I look forward to the album. The single that I heard was uh, called First Snow. Again, just really, really good stuff. And, and I look forward to hearing more from these uh, Swiss guys when they come out with their album next month. Uh, another thing that was brought to my attention was a song that came out last year by a guitarist called Aaron Cravens, C-R-A-V-E-N-S. And the song that I heard was called Escape Route. It was like a progressive metal song, but like with really, really catchy hooks, completely instrumental. And I feel like as awesome as it was, this guy is just like one vocalist away from just completely shattering uh, the genre. That's how good this particular song was. I, I, I want to hear more from the guy, and I think he has a solo album coming out later this year. Uh, but I, I just, I, I feel like it's just missing vocals to put it over the top. But nonetheless, I'll, I'll post the track Escape Route um, this week. And one other album, which um, is probably going to wind up in my top 25, uh, may, may be much higher than that, to be honest with you, was a band called Unrequited. And the and that's kind of spelled funny. It's U-N-R-E-Q-V-I-T-E-D. And the album is called Beautiful Ghosts. It's a blend of like black metal and progressive rock and some elements of pop. Also an instrumental disc. But this was one of the most beautiful albums that I've heard all year. And I really uh, am impressed. Apparently, it's one guy that put this entire project together. And he just did a phenomenal job. So I'll, I'll post the track from this week as well. And I think I'm going to have a lot more to say about it at the end of the year. Did you have a chance to listen to the new uh, Earthside single? I didn't. And it's funny because I know we spoke about that about a week or so ago. I haven't heard it. Uh, but I got a note that it was a really, really emotional video from a friend of mine. Um, but I haven't had a chance to hear it. Did you hear it? I didn't. But I got a text from Knops uh, saying, <laughs> Earthside dropped the ball after disappearing for a few years. I don't think a brooding audition for a movie soundtrack is the way to go. Wow. Those, I, 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 the, the text message I got uh, was uh, pretentious. It was one of the words that was used. So okay. I'm, I'm, I'm a little curious, but I will definitely give this a listen. In fact, I will listen as soon as we're done recording Royal Hunt because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, if nothing else. It's been a while for these guys. I'm surprised they didn't hit it out of the park. And maybe they did, but just not. Yeah. It doesn't seem different, like the different strokes for different folks. Exactly. Um, I had one thing I wanted to mention. This isn't new, but it's new to me. Um, I think not speaking of Knops, he had uh, recommended this to me and it was so long when he recommended it. I don't know that I ever got a chance to listen to all of it because this is a 30 minute 
song, almost 31 minute song. And it's by, um, some, somebody called Dr. Pez and, uh, Mark pa- Papagan or Papagan. And they made this song called tempo of time. And it's basically the soundtrack to the legend of Zelda Ocarina of time done as like a prog rock suite. And, um, how is it? Or did you get to hear like, any of it? If, yeah, I, I listened to the entire thing yesterday, and it's it's as if Haken did the soundtrack to Ocarina of Time. Uh, if that can, if you could wrap your head around that, that's kind of what it made me think of. It I was, have never heard of this project, but I'm very curious. Yeah, so um, I didn't really get to listen to much this week, but I did listen to this, and it's very cool. So uh, I would definitely recommend that, and. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it for from my end as far as uh, anything new that came across my desk this week. Nice, and uh, let's get to 1996, uh, our first live album that we'll be covering. So I want I want to put a little bit of a caveat up front. I am not assessing this based on the tracks they selected, but merely just like a, this is a review of the recording itself as a live show, not necessarily the best Royal Hunt tracks that come off those first three discs, which we'll obviously cover, but I'm trying to evaluate this through the lens of a live album and not the studio songs, which obviously I know as well. So I encourage you to do the same. Um, but why did you choose 1996 as opposed to any of their other live albums? Uh, well, this is my, uh, arguably my favorite live album by any band. Um, the song selection is fantastic. The performances by all the musicians and DC Cooper on vocals is is phenomenal and i don't know if it was post-produced heavily or they're just that they were just that good but um it's just a really well done um i just have such fond memories of um of just listening to this and and, uh it was great to go back and and listen to it again this week um but I, i think the main reason was just that i felt like it was time to talk about royal hunt and i was having a hard time deciding which album to choose because especially the first four albums and, and even fear their fifth album, I feel like any of them are, are, are definitely worth, um, you know, talking about. But since I had such a hard time deciding all of a sudden I, I, it, I was scrolling through their stuff and I, I saw this album like shining like a beacon in the night. And I was like, uh, this is, this could be interesting. And, and the fact that we never, talked about a live album like you mentioned also kind of made it a a a, a more obvious choice for me in the moment so nice i i think it's a great choice um just to set the stage little background information royal hunt uh comes out with their debut album in 1992 land of broken hearts they follow that up with clown in the mirror in 1994 uh the lineup is consistent on both albums andre anderson on keyboard steen morgison on bass Jacob uh, Chair, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that on lead guitar, and Kenneth Olsen on drums. Henrik Brockman is the vocalist on those first two albums. And then DC Cooper joins the band. That's another story as to how he joins the band. But ultimately, they release um, Moving Target in December of 1995 and ultimately release this live album a year later. It's recorded uh, in Tokyo, Japan. Um, and, and, you know, it's funny. For a band that never really hit it in the United States... These guys were apparently huge in Japan, really big in Russia and some other countries as well. But they, for some reason, they just hit it in certain markets and were like on nobody's radar in others. 
Yeah, um, I uh, didn't even, I wasn't really even aware of Royal Hunt until uh, Paradox came out in 1997. And that's kind of what got them on my radar. And then I would go on to kind of go back and, and check out uh, their older material. I think Mo- Moving Target was probably the next album that I got. And um, it's funny because the band, I mean, outside of DC Cooper, taking over the reins as vocalist, the band, you know, like you said, remained pretty much the same. But um, since then, I'm not sure that anybody is still in Royal Hunt outside of Andre Anderson and DC Cooper would leave the band and then end up rejoining them. And he's their current singer. But um, the the lineup has changed quite a bit. I mean, Andre Anderson's done most of the songwriting for the band over the years. So he's been the one consistent member. But um, I remember going Man, you know, I don't remember exactly where I got the album, but um, it, I'm holding it in my hand right now. They they released this live in Japan, and, and we talked about the Magna Carta, uh, you know, record label, um, uh, mostly when we were talking about Shadow Gallery, and this was released on that, and um, it, it's a two disc set, and uh, the the first disc was like a bunch of selections from this 1996 live album, which was not available to purchase in the U S. And, uh, so I picked it up. The second disc has the entire live performance of, uh, paradox on there, which was also recorded in Japan. Um, but I would, I ended up listening to the first disc with all the older stuff so much. I remember listening to it on the bus going to high school and just blasting it. And these songs, um, just were so awesome. And uh, so it, it kind of like plays like the beginning of the album, the first five tracks. Um, and then it just skips a whole bunch and go cuts over to um, a handful of tracks that are on the second disc. Um, so it's nine songs. But when I found out that there was like a double disc full length version of this concert, I had to, had to get my hands on it. So I think I, I probably when I was in college, I got onto eBay and found, I, I want to say I bought the Korean version of the album. So I could finally hear all the other uh, missing tracks and, and it did not disappoint at all. Yeah. This for a long time was always one of my favorite live albums as well. I, I wouldn't put it as number one. I think Iron Maiden's live after death I just hold on such a high pedestal that nothing has beaten that album for me. Um, but this was probably a really close second, um, and I've always held it in high esteem. But as of late, I don't think I've listened to a lot of live material by most bands, unless it's something like off the beaten path. And I think of like Ad Infinitum's acoustic album that they came out with the acoustic live album that I listened to because it was like something different. But for some reason, I've just been moving away from live albums, unless of course, I'm going to watch a Blu-ray or a DVD, which I don't do as often as I'd like. But it's just something I don't usually go to when I want to listen to something live, I'll watch it, or I'll go to or I'll listen to the studio stuff. So I, I haven't listened to this in a very long time. I haven't listened to any live albums in a long time. But it was definitely nice to go back. I also had Paradox first, then I bought Moving Target, and this was my third Royal Hunt album, if you will. I remember, I don't remember how I got it. I remember getting it shortly after I got Moving Target, just because I had to hear more stuff, and I was a DC Cooper mark. I, I just think he's 
a phenomenal vocalist. So even though I knew that they had these two older albums, I, I wanted to hear DC Cooper sing the stuff. And then I obviously worked my way back and got those two albums as well. Um, so I kind of worked backwards and then I would work my way forwards, starting with fear and, and, and that, and, and those albums. Um, the biggest takeaway I have from listening to this is that Andre Anderson is maybe the most underrated songwriter ever. Because here you have essentially 23 tracks. There's three solos on it. You got a keyboard solo. You have um, the the drum slash bass solo, and you have a guitar solo. But you have you know about 20 other tracks, and there's not a bad song on the album. Um, I, I think some are better than others, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about some of them in, in, in detail. But he is such a good songwriter, and, and I would argue that their best album, Paradox, is even better than all of this stuff. So, I mean, the, he's just so consistent, even now on, on, on the newer albums. And, and, you know, they've obviously released probably about eight or ten albums since, maybe more, since, since um, you know, the, the, the late 90s. Even on Dystopia, their most recent album, there are some really good songs on here, and, and Andre Anderson is to credit for most of them. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, he definitely is the the mastermind, and and yeah, he is. A, I think he's definitely an underrated songwriter. I mean, he wrote every song on this uh, on this live album. Um, so um, I, I don't know specifically. Um, I guess just scrolling through, it looks like yeah, he wrote. He up until this point, he had written every Royal Hunt song that uh, existed. Um, and then I guess when Paradox came out, um, looks like he wrote all of that too. So uh, <laughs> that, that tells you something. Do me a favor. One thing I've always struggled with is kind of classifying this band in terms of the sound, right? They're, they're not a power metal band. They're not really like a classic, like melodic band. They're not really a neoclassical band like an Ingve. But they're not really a progressive band because the songs are really structured and kind of straightforward in many cases. They are very unique, and it's almost hard to describe, other than the fact that you'd say a lot of the songs are obviously keyboard-driven for, for, for obvious reasons with Andre writing most of the material. It, how would you classify these guys? I, I, I consider them like a, like a more of a melodic progressive metal band, kind of in the, the same vein as like... A, like a vanishing point or maybe uh, even a, maybe like a less technical seventh wonder where um, the songs are really melody driven and catchy. But at the same time, like you said, it's like, it's definitely not power metal. Um, and it's not, it might have some rock. elements of it, but yeah, yeah but it's vanishing, also not vanishing point. They think is a very good analogy just because it's song driven prog as opposed to like, Wankery prog, I guess, for lack yeah, of a better term. I was going to use that exact word. Yeah, because he, here everything is a lot more structured. The songs are really succinct. You know, everything's between like three and a half and seven minutes for the most part, uh, you know, with, with one or two exceptions. And I, and I think that more than any other band, and maybe that's why you were always drawn to them, accessible comes to mind. It's something you can put on and automatically you're like, I can kind of dig this. It's not much of a struggle with with some other bands let's let's put it that way yeah i remember like i think tearing down the world was the song that you would just play for somebody and like if you wanted them to be get into royal hunt right away like just play that song because it just starts out with like this this really amazing you know keyboard intro um 
that's kind of what got it started for me. And, and then, like you said, kind of moving back. But, you know, I was such a, a snob about vocalists and I just didn't really care about anything that they might have done without DC Cooper, which is funny because, I mean, they only recorded the two albums with them initially. Um, and it, I don't it was because of this album that made me more interested in actually hearing the first two albums. And, and I ended up, I ended up really enjoying them. And, and I really like, um, uh, Oh my God. I almost said Kent Brockman from the Simpsons. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Henrik Brockman's vocals. He's, I, I think he's, he's got a totally different vocal style than DC Cooper, but it works. And what's interesting is that DC really makes the, 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 the Henrik songs work on this album. I mean, he really gives it his own flavor and um, he's just so good. Like I would, I tend to believe that there probably wasn't much post-production on the, the vocals um, in this case. Um, he's just, he's very engaging as a front man. And um, probably one of my favorite moments is uh, he says like something in English to the, to the, the entire, like all Japanese crowd. And there's just like this dead silence response. And you just hear one person in the background, like, go, yeah! like, <laughs> like, and then everybody else starts cheering. Like it, it's kind of fun hearing him <laughs> talk to this Japanese audience in English and not he, knowing like how much is getting lost in translation. But to, um, to his credit, he tries to speak Japanese at a couple of points and they, they, they definitely pop for it. But at the same time, work to be done. I'll I'll ask this question. I'm not sure if you know the answer, but this is obviously a Danish band. How did they get hooked up with a singer from, I think, Pittsburgh? Uh, You know, I'm not, I don't know that I'm really sure. Do you know the answer to that? I I don't. And and, and that's, you know, kind of the reason why I asked. So if anyone out there knows how these guys got hooked up, let me know. Because um, my first, first, I, I think that I had heard Paradox fell in love with it. And then I wound up, as we talked about in the Shadow Gallery uh, retrospective, when I heard DC Cooper pop uh, or, or, or appear on New World Order on uh, Tyranny, I was like just beside myself because I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And I was fortunate enough to see him perform that live like we had discussed uh, you know, in, in the past. And, I, and I've just always had a soft spot in my heart for his vocals because I think they're so clean, but he's got such range where he can go really low or really high, and he does both equally well. Um, so I did a little bit of uh, quick research, and and so as it turns out, um, it says that he was just kind of a local singer, and um, he was a finalist to be Rob Halford's replacement in Judas Priest. Um, and I think because of the buzz from that, he got offers to sit to sing to join a bunch of bands, and he ended up. Uh, choosing Royal Hunt. So that's, there you go. that's the story. And uh, I also didn't realize that he found out that he was fired from the band by reading the announcement on their website. So I guess uh, cooler heads prevailed eventually. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that, that is funny. Um, and there you have it. So it's kind of like a steel dragon type of story. If you remember the movie Rockstar in, in a sense where like this no name guy is about to head <laughs> Judas Priest. Um, but uh, let's, let's get into the album itself. What, you know, I guess we'll do things a little bit differently this week just because there's so much material here. What are some of the songs that stand out to you on this? Uh, almost all of them. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, I mean, I love the, um, the, I love moving, tar- the album Moving Target is really, really 
awesome. Um, I feel like it, it kind of got dwarfed by Paradox, which was released two years later. So it kind of gets, I think, forgotten about. But I mean, the songs that they chose to play from that album, uh, you know, Time and um, Stay Down and Last Goodbye, Far Away. Um, 1348 making a mess i mean they 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 play a big chunk of this thing and uh it's great to hear it live i agree with you yeah step by step which uh, i think we discussed is uh patrick duffy's favorite prog metal song yeah we posted Um, that during the week having a little fun um for those that aren't aware that was a show that was popular probably about 25 years ago here in america uh and and it was called step by step so we had a little fun at, at, at mr duffy's expense uh Sorry if you are wondering what progressive metal is, but <laughs> there you have it. Yeah, and then the other thing that kind of came to my mind was um, how Brian, when we were in high school, would joke, um, he would call martial arts marital arts. <laughs> because <laughs> of, if you looked at it real quick, you it might might you might think it said marital. So uh, Brian's like, oh, they made an instrumental song about uh, how to keep your marriage intact. That's interesting. So, um, But I mean... This, even the songs from the, the first two albums that they do, I mean, A Flight is such an awesome way to, to kickstart the, the live album and, um, you know, Wasted Time. I love um, uh, Kingdom Dark, which I'm just going to say right now, that's going to be my track of the week. I, lo- I just, I love that song and I feel like the live version of it with DC on vocals, it's, it's even better in this version of it. They do an like an acoustic uh, section towards the end of the the second disc with like a really awesome versions of Age Gone Wild and Ten to Life. Um, they finish with Time, an amazing live version of Time. Um, Land of Broken Hearts is one of my all time favorite Royal Hunt songs. Um, that's on here too. I mean, Stranded. I'm pretty. I'm basically just naming all the songs because like other than the solos, which kind of up, you know, are included for pacing reasons. Um, I mean, this is like the a, a greatest hits album of the first three Royal Hunt albums, honestly. And yeah, yeah, done I, in such well done. You know, the production it sounds fantastic for you know this came out in 1996, so we're talking you know almost 30 years ago or 25 years ago, so. So uh, it, it's it's fabulous. I used to love the sound on this album, and it still sounds great. I I think a lot of work was done in post production, and that's not uh, to discount the band. Uh, I've seen them live twice. Uh, 
I've seen DC Cooper live more than that, and he's virtually flawless when, even to this day, you know, 25 years later. But if you watch the live video, and I watched a little bit of it this week, and then you kind of match up the vocals to it, you can kind of see that they're taking a little bit of liberties. I just think that they touched up everything to make this sound so good. Um, and I don't know that I even recognized that when I was younger, but in my opinion, they you know, they, they, they put some makeup or makeup on this. Um, but listen, most bands do that. And, and when they don't, you get Angra's live album, uh, their first live album with Edu, which was one of the worst pieces of music I've ever heard. So like, I, I, I can understand why they touch things up. Um, you know, you, you ran through a lot of the disc. I just want to make a couple of notes, which I think are worth mentioning. First of all, I go back to martial arts or marital arts, if you will. I had no idea that Masahiro Chono was using this as an as an entrance uh, in New Japan pro wrestling. Like to me, that was like the coolest thing. So I went back on YouTube to just kind of watch an old clip of him coming out, and he's I couldn't believe it. There, there was Royal Hunt blasting in the arena. And how many Masahiro Chono matches did you end up watching this week? probably more than a lot of other things. No, I actually only watched the one, but it was uh, one more than I would have if I didn't know that martial arts had been, had been on had been on his, his entrance music. So that was one thing that was kind of interesting to me. Another thing that I, 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 I kind of forgot about was, and you mentioned it briefly, those three acoustic tracks, Age Gone Wild, Ten to Life, and Legion of the Damned, Holy, like the, to that to me was one of the biggest highlights of the whole album and Legion of the Damned especially might be, I'm not going to make it my track of the week because it's just so different than like, I don't know, the rest of the disc in, in, in a full live format. But I'll tell you, I enjoyed the, I enjoyed the hell out of that this week. And I thought all three tracks were exceptionally well done. Um, and, and it reminded me of when I saw DC Cooper play a live show back in 2005 he was i think it was like the thursday night or the wednesday night of prog power that year and he did a solo set acoustic um mostly from his solo album but because it was that whole acoustic feel it kind of reminded me of this um unfortunately he didn't play any royal hunt that night but it was just he, he just sounds so good with the guitar um it's it's phenomenal and i'll tell you one other thing which is kind of interesting you know, I was mentioning Andre Anderson's songwriting before. I don't think you realize that on those acoustic tracks, he's not even playing, and the songs are just as good, if not better, than they were when he's keyboard. You know, when his keyboards are in there, it's just fan- fantastic. Yeah, well, I'm sure it was a nice smoke break for him uh, during that <laughs> acoustic set. Um, I, Legion of the Damned is, I think, one of the most underrated Royal Hunt songs. Um, I don't love the version on this album. I just think that the um, the original is just so good. And I think DC kind of, I don't think he got all the lyrics There's certain parts of the song that are kind of missing because it's an acoustic version. So it's cool to hear because they probably didn't play it live very often, but um, I'm just such a huge fan of the original version. And it's a song that like, when you talk about Royal hunt, you don't hear, it doesn't get brought up much, but it, it goes well with the, the live setting, I think. So um, I thought it was cool that they decided to, to bust out this little acoustic set. Um, but I mean, I mean, it's just these songs like epilogue is, I don't know if I mentioned that one earlier. That's another fantastic song on the run is um, it just made me think of 
like how at the beginning of the song they have the sirens going and every time i listen in my car i would like furiously check my rear view to make sure i wasn't getting like tailed by a police officer i um i don't know man this is i feel like this is just kind of a interesting that for a band that only had three albums to come out with this live album and have two discs worth of like you know a a plus material i think is really impressive and and i loved back then i loved picking up live albums like this because there were always songs that i didn't know um i think of like when i bought high live by halloween it was before i had ever heard anything from master of the ring so you know i was hearing where the rain grows and soul survivor and songs like that for the first time and all that wanted all that made me do was want to dig in and get you know grab that master of the rings album and and listen to more of those older songs i hadn't heard before and it's kind of something i think that's missing today that like we don't find out about a band that's been around for a while and then get to dig dig into their you know back catalog because usually we're picking up on these bands right as they get started so um it kind of reminded me of a, of a simpler time, I guess, where like every song wasn't available at the click of a mouse. And like, you know, especially cause so you couldn't, we couldn't even get our hands on some of these albums without importing them or paying a premium. I mean, this album to get it from Japan was probably $30 at, at, at the very least. So, and that was in 1997 money. So you got it. That's you're talking like closer to $50 now, which is a ton of money, even, you know, for, 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 for a double CD, you know, it's, it's amazing how things are so different. I'll just make a couple of notes about some things that really stood out to me. First of all, uh, I, you know, a song like Stay Down, I completely forgot about that track. Like I almost forgot it existed. Um, it, it's really like I, it's one of the best guitar solos on the CD. I think the outro is amazing. And one of the things we haven't talked about, but I think it's really evident on that particular track, the two backup singers – do an amazing job of lending like that extra vocalist sound on the album. And, and I think it's just important to mention them by name. They had two female vocalists, Maria McTurk and Lisa Hansen that were working with them on this album. And they are prominent throughout the whole thing. And I, they just add such a richness to some of these songs. It would sound completely different without them. And even when they play live now, they always have two backing vocalists that kind of like, lend support to the to, to to the lead singer. I think it's just a really nice touch that, you know, nobody else really does. Yeah, I agree. And I think that they went on to, to be with the band for a while afterwards. I, I remember the first time we saw Royal Hunt live, um they had the they had the two uh the female singers and then the second time we saw them they didn't and it sounded like they had like pre-recorded backing vocals. And I think Andre was doing some of it as well. And it just didn't have that same kind of gravity. I think that having them there live, it's just such, like you said, I'm glad you brought it up because I was going to uh, bring it up too. It just adds like such a, 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 a different layer um, to the album where it's not just DC on his own. There, there's actual live vocalists that are harmonizing with him and, and, um, it's cool because there's even some parts where like you'll hear the women do 
the the main melody and then dc will do the harmonizing and he'll go lower or whatever um it's it's really it's really fun and um it's, a lot of prep goes into it because it's the, it would be so easy for him to just sing all his vocal lines but for him to really just kind of go down a register when it, it's you could there, there was a lot of effort that was put into this gig there was no question about it and i'm sure that uh Part of the reason why they were so big over there because they were, you know, they, they were paying big venues. And if I'm not mistaken, I think I, I forget if it was um, I, I don't remember, but they had like a number one hit in Japan from the, from from moving target, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think it was far away, actually. Yeah, there you go. That's it. It was far away. And, and I just couldn't believe that they would have a number one song in Japan and like kind of, again, be off the radar just about everywhere else. It was amazing. Um a couple of the songs are actually like faster on the album than they than they were like on the on the studio recording. Songs like uh, "Making a Mess," just with its iconic chorus, just you know, a beautiful, beautiful song. Um, the one track that just doesn't really do much for me was "Running Wild." I think that that was probably the weakest track on the album. Um, it, it's it's not bad, but I just don't for something. I, I just don't something about it just never clicked and it still hasn't really clicked for me, but everything else is just, you know, otherworldly, um, on the run. I, you know, like you mentioned, it's faster than the album and it's probably the fastest tune on the album. I never realized how most of these songs are kind of the same cadence to it, just in terms of speed and, 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 and approach, but somehow they sound all completely different. And I guess that's kind of an art that you can keep the same style, but somehow twerk it or tweak it just enough that, work it yeah tweak it just enough <laughs> that's a Freudian slip of yeah. <laughs> uh, tweak it just enough that um every song sounds completely different even though it's kind of the same structure I, I I love the the guitar work too it's so crisp um and it's just they really just take that like that classic Royal Hunt sound and they just really uh just perfected in like this live setting but i just i just love how well the album was mixed like everything sounds so good the keyboards you can hear clearly but they don't take over everything that you know the guitars like i said sounds super crisp everything is just really well done dc sounds fantastic um it's just uh the the the, the ladies in the background doing the backing vocals i mean it it's it's great and um i forgot it must have been hmm I want to say around 2011 um royal hunt put out through frontiers um a dvd of this concert and the paradox the the, the full paradox concert that i mentioned earlier um I, they were vhs transfers so they're not like super sleek looking or anything um but uh i the, i pre-ordered it like the second it was announced because i was like i have to have these these concerts because i i don't i never owned the videos because i believe they were only released in japan at the time uh so importing those would have been pretty pricey so um and i think now the dvd is out is um out of print so um but i'm so glad that i bought it because um i love going back and especially this concert i love going back and and rewatching it. Um, so that's kind of a cool thing that they did uh, to kind of make those available to all the folks that weren't able to get their hands on it when they were originally released. And like I said, it's a VHS transfer. It's not the prettiest thing in the world, but it sounds great. And um, you know, it's passable. So I, um, I really struggled 
picking an uh, like a, a song of the week. Um, I've, I've oscillated between about four of them, or in this case, about twenty of them. Um, but I'll, I'll I, I think I'm going to go with 1348 because I think it's not only representative of what they were doing with Moving Target, which is an album I love, but but it was got, the year Mike was born. Just an amazing live tune, and it makes me think about how I wish that they were still playing songs from this era live. I haven't seen it, probably will never get to see it, but you got amazing bass lines. It's one of the proggier tunes on the album. Uh, the backup singers definitely shine, and DC Cooper just sounds amazing. So I'm going to go with 1348. really can't go wrong listening to the whole thing it's it's it, it's really well done and and but for the fact that i now kind of realize how much it was touched up uh for someone that doesn't like live albums anymore it was still really you know i enjoyed it for sure um let let, let me ask you this question and i guess this is a good way to kind of put a bow on 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 the episode you know we've, we've seen them a bunch why do you think they never actually hit like kind of hit it to that next level when other bands and even other prog bands were just kind of going into the stratosphere, you know, I'm not saying they were ever going to be a dream theater level, but what do you think was holding them back? I don't know. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't know if it's the, the personnel changes, which I don't know that really mattered because I think the heart of the band has always been Andre. Um, and the material has always been consistently good. I mean, I feel like they might have they might have hit a ceiling with Paradox, which was just kind of a hard album to to follow. But um, I mean, they've I especially enjoy the um the lot the albums they started releasing when DC rejoined the band, like Show Me How to Live and A Life to Die For. There's a ton of fantastic uh, songs on, on those albums, and and there's and the stuff they did with John West is. He, very he's a very underrated vocalist i think um because at least for me like i I was just such a dc fanatic and i loved vocalists like that was the thing i think that i loved most about getting into metal when i was in high school was singers like guys like kisk and dc cooper they were probably my two favorite vocalists right there and um just the fact that he left royal hunt so quickly after just like discovering them kind of it took the wind out of my sails personally but i'm not going to speak for everybody um but i mean i feel like with you know if if paradox didn't take them to the next level i'm not sure anything was going to um i'm glad that we were able to at least see them live and, and you know we've also 
I, I remember when Silent Force played at Prague Power and DC was singing for them. Uh, they they ended up playing. I think they played uh, River of Pain from Paradox. So it was cool to hear a Royal Hunt song. And that was a um, highlight for me. Um, I never thought I would hear DC Cooper play live. So when Silent Force was announced for that show, I was immediately excited. But then when he when he sang Royal Hunt, which I never thought I would see him with Royal Hunt, it was just I I remember how like magical that was. And then obviously now I've had the chance to sing, have him sing all of Paradox and, and get to see that live, um, uh, you know, about five years ago or so. So it, it was really um, something to behold. A funny story about that Silent Force show, uh, which I'll just throw in as kind of an anecdote. Uh, a friend of ours was at the show with us, and uh, the guys in Silent Force were walking around with these jackets with the band logo on the jacket. And I remember our friend walking up to, I think it was their bass player, and saying to him, you know, I love that jacket. Where can I get a Silent Force jacket? And the bass player, again, I think it's the bass player, says to him, you can have mine. Give me 40 bucks." And so our friend takes $40 out of his wallet and literally buys the Silent Force jacket off of the bass player's back. I will never, ever forget that. It was one of the funniest things because all of a sudden he comes back and he's wearing this jacket. And you say to yourself, what did you do with the bass player? And meanwhile, he just gave him a couple of bucks to go buy beer. And now he's wearing a Silent Force jacket, which the guy still has today, 20 years later. I always told people it was Alex Bayrod that gave him that uh, that jacket. I, I wasn't there when it happened. It, 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 it might was, have been. I, was, I, I don't know for sure. I'll say it was the bass player. Maybe it was Alex. At the end of the day, what I can tell you is he took the money out of his wallet. He bought the jacket off the guy's back, and he still has a Silent Force jacket in his closet. And I'm pretty sure he's one of the only people in the world that can say that. Yeah. I, I, I mean, one of the former members of the band can't say it anymore because yeah, he, gave yeah. the mic. he has to come back to long Island just to get a copy of it. But, uh, anyway, one, one of, one of the, uh, funnier moments, um, that I can definitely remember scale of one to 10. What are you giving this album? This is a, a 9.5 for me. Um, I just think it's it, the combination of the quality and the, the quality of the sound and the quality of the, the selection of songs. I mean, these are some of my favorite heavy metal songs ever. Um, and they just happen to be all sung by the same band. Um, I just, it, it makes me really yearn for uh, hearing the band kind of go back and play the songs from this era. Cause uh, the first three Royal hunt albums have a lot of, uh, a lot of gems in there. Um, and this is just kind of like a, a little, collection of those gems um all rolled into one i mean it's probably got at least half of the songs from those three albums if not more so uh Mm i i recommend this highly um i just i don't know why but it always has stuck out to me as one of my all-time favorite live albums and and like like i said it's the this the quality of the sound mixed with the the just the the quality of of the songwriting and the songs themselves um it's it's my highest recommendation for a live album for sure. It's it's an eight point five for me now that I think it's been cleaned up. I think it would have been a nine point five if you would have asked me last time I listened to it, just because of how much I enjoy it. Uh, I'm knocking it just because I know what was done on on the back end, but I will say that it it is 
a fantastic representation of those first three albums, which has a lot of underrated gems. I myself would love to hear some of these songs live now. I don't think it's ever going to happen, but at least we have this to kind of go back to and, 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 you know, kind of dive into some of this stuff because there are, like I said, there are gems on here and it is one of the better live albums taking aside the overdubs. It's one of the better live albums, if not, uh, you know, easily top five live albums that you will find. Um, and this is just coming from someone who just doesn't enjoy them as much as I used to, but it's undeniable that this is quality stuff. And if you've never heard the band, and I'm sure that there's people out there that have not heard this band, you could do worse than listening to this as a starting point. No, I don't know that you could do too much better. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I kind of want to go and, and listen to um, their older albums. I ended up listening to Fear again um, this this week, and I just kind of, I think that was an underappreciated album. And, and, you know, I'm sure all their albums between Fear and DC Cooper rejoining the band have been underappreciated by me and and probably deserve another listen but uh I, I, right now i kind of want to go back and listen to the the first three albums from start to finish again um just because i mean land of broken hearts is one of my favorite royal hunt songs ever um and so is kingdom dark um so those just those two right there um but there's just a lot of good stuff going on on all all three albums for sure but um if you're a fan of dc cooper i mean then you might want to grab moving target and paradox and just give those two a listen. But I mean, um, honestly, like I wish the DVD that I mentioned earlier was still a, like, you, you know, you cheaply available because I would just recommend buying that. And then you get like the best of the first three albums and then all of paradox. Um, but I, I think all those, I think it's all that stuff is at least available online on, on Spotify. I know that, some of the live albums are available on um, on iTunes, but that probably means they're on Spotify as well. Um, but yeah, like if you if you're not familiar with Royal Hunt, I would definitely recommend getting familiar because uh, I think they're a very underrated, underappreciated band, and and I, I, this live album is is a collection of some of the best songs that they've ever done, and and some of my like I said, some of my favorite songs ever. Well said. I think we'll 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 put a bow on it there. I before we get to um, next week's selection, which will be my choice, a couple of news items that I think are definitely worth mentioning. Primal Fear, uh, who had not only a U.S. tour scheduled but a number of other live shows as well, has canceled all of their live shows, both for 2021 and 2022 through a serious illness issue. Uh, more details to come, but it seems like their touring is done for the next year and a half, which is a shame. I was going to see them with Symphony X here, I think it was next May, and uh, that show is no more, unfortunately. Yeah, that's, that's a bummer. Um, uh, whoever it is that's uh, ill, uh, you know, wish them the, a quick recovery, and, and hopefully the band will be you know back at it sooner than later. Um, I'm hoping that this isn't something that we are going to hear more about or, 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 you know, see more of with, um, you know, uh, future tours getting canceled and stuff like that. So, you know, hopefully this is like more of an isolated thing. Yeah. Best wishes to whoever is sick. Uh, another band that is still alive and kicking for sure. And that's German thrash metalers, uh, destruction, which I mentioned, uh, probably about a month or two ago 
They parted ways with Mike Siffringer, their founding guitarist. He had been in the band for 39 years, which is amazing that they've been around this long. But 39 years, and he left the band. He just seems like uh, if you read his statement, he just not really into it anymore. And they they have a replacement. They're still doing playing live shows and whatnot. But to lose a founding member after 39 years, I, I just it's hard to imagine. Um, so best wishes to them. We, we're sure that uh, their live show will still kick ass. But you know, when you lose someone that's uh, been with you for so long, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's tough behind the scenes. And lastly, I just wanted to make mention of the Alcatraz Festival, uh, which took place uh, over the weekend um, in Belgium. Obviously, I didn't get to go see the show, but it was a really cool lineup, and I got to see a number of um, live sets. I just love when when some of these festivals kind of live stream some of these acts. So I got to see Kiss and Dynamite. I got to see Unleash the Archers. And I got to see some of the Eclipse set as well um, at various times. Uh, you know, Vakin uh, does it. Um, other festivals have done it as well. And, and Alcatraz did it. It's just such a highlight for me. It's almost You really do get a sense that you're kind of there, even though obviously you're, in our case, five or 6,000 miles away. But it was really nice to see. Yeah, I, I always look forward to um, when these European like outdoor festivals will do these these live streams. Um, the only thing that stinks is that usually the the time of them is like you know in the middle of a work day um, <laughs> at like ten o'clock or eleven o'clock in the morning. So um, unless it's something I really really want to see, I actually ended up passing on watching Unleashed the Archers just because I. Um, kind of wanted to save it for in person. It, it's going to be my first, fingers crossed, first um, first heavy metal concert uh, back after not seeing uh, I prog. Oh god, the last prog power might have been the last time I've seen a, a metal Jeez. show, unless there was something in between that and when COVID hit. Um, I know I saw Trans Siberian Orchestra. That was definitely the last show I saw, and I'm seeing Collective Soul. Uh, next week so that'll be my first concert after this long hiatus and i am definitely hungering for some uh, live music um i read something interesting and i kind of wanted to see what uh, your opinion is this is kind of off the cuff here but um there was an interview with uh tuomas holopinen from nightwish and and so he said that night if floor if floor jansen ever left nightwish nightwish would split up what are your thoughts on that? Like, I think that's a really interesting quote considering that, you know, the way that Taria and Annette left the band. Now he's saying without floor, there is no Nightwish. Um, yeah, that, I, I read that as well. It's interesting on a number of levels. Number one, I think that floor is probably the most dynamic of the three vocalists. Hard to replace for sure. And I think that the band has seen more success with her than they have. In other words, their success just continues to go up and up and up. And maybe they just think that they're reaching their pinnacle, or maybe it's the fact that, you know, after nearly 30 years, uh, they're just, you know, kind of winding it down or they just don't see, you know, the next step. Um, there are certainly vocalists out there that I could see replacing her just from a talent standpoint. Although I do think she is far and away the best of the three. Not my favorite albums, I, I want to be clear, but just the best singer of the three. Um, it would be interesting, although I just don't get the sense that she's planning on leaving anytime soon because it, I think it's just a perfect marriage between the both parties or both camps, if you will. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I was very disappointed to hear that Marco had left the band because I feel like he's he's been such an important 
part of Nightwish since he joined the band and having like this, um, having the, this backing vocalist that that's been very, um, I don't know what the word would be, I guess just, um, you know, just having that, 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 uh, presence there along with, you know, the fact that he's a very excellent bass player. Um, it's going to, it's interesting that Nightwish is kind of, uh, turning into winter sun with Tuomas and floor. Yeah, <laughs> um, seriously. But, I, but I mean, it, it's interesting because I still think that Nightwish puts on one of the, one of the best live shows ever, but, um, I feel like they've been since Imaginarium, they've been kind of as far as their their material goes, it's been kind of on a downswing. I'm hoping that the next album is a is a stronger effort because I mean I enjoyed their their most recent release, but it you know any other time you would, a Nightwish album would be if not my favorite album of the year, it would be up there with it, and and I, I think it was probably in my top 20 maybe, but it wasn't anywhere near the top, which, and I know a lot of people just outright hated it. Um, me being one of them, to be bad, completely but, honest, uh, like I just, that? I, me being one of them, I just couldn't get into it, but I think it's been a steady decline since imaginary. And that, that is to me that the, and I know it's a minority opinion. That to me was when Nightwish hit their grand slam and hit it out of the park. It's been a steady decline with each and every subsequent album since then. But I also think that there's enough juice left in the system that the next album could be fantastic. And obviously I'll listen to it the day it comes out because I'm just curious, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, they arguably have their their strongest vocalist at this point. So I'm hoping that they come out with their, you know, strongest album. Um, but uh, yeah, there's just something was missing on that last one. And I don't know if it was just because they did a entire disc of just instrumental stuff that was almost like folkish more so than metal um again i mean i enjoy it but i mean i don't think that it touches imaginarium um you know which i think was a masterpiece is probably my favorite maybe my favorite nightwish album ever so um just an always interesting uh always interesting topic is what's going on with nightwish There's, there always seems to be Something going on. Some, so, some uh, drama in the camp. Although here it seems like the drama is no drama because there's only drama if Floor should leave. Um, but let, let, let's just pivot to next week because I've got two choices. And I'm going to let you decide the genre and then I'll pick the albums. i got two albums, two completely different genres. And I wanted to do two genres that we have not touched. We have not touched um, at all. So I thought that both would be very interesting. So I'll let you pick door number one, which is going to be a doom metal album, or door number two, which will be a black metal album. And I know that both of these genres you don't have as much familiarity with. And when it comes to black metal, probably little to none, uh, no familiarity. But both of them, I think, will be very, very interesting selections for a number of reasons. Um, So are we going doom or are we going black metal? Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> or am I recording by myself next week? Which one is it? Um, I feel like I probably would enjoy Doom Metal better. So I'm going to go with Doom Metal. All right. Uh, just to be clear, you're not getting off the hook that easily. We will be circling back to Black Metal, and we will be doing it sooner rather than later. But uh, the yeah. Doom Metal I wanted to, to kind of introduce you to was the first Candlemass album, which many would argue is the first of the modern doom metal albums. 
Uh, it's called Epicus Dumicus Metallicus, and it came out in June of 1986. Um, the reason I thought this was a nice choice was because the singer of this album recently rejoined the band after almost 30 years away. Uh, and I had the pleasure of seeing them on 70,000 Tons last year, and they were awesome. And I am not a huge doom metal guy, but I knew this album, and I knew this singer, and I thought it was really cool. If you're looking for something upbeat, you're, you know, like the power metal stuff you like, you better kind of sprinkle that in with your listens to this album because it's not that but I think that we'll have an interesting discussion nonetheless. So next week, we're going to touch Candlemass's debut, Epicus Dumicus Metallicus from 1986. Strap in, buddy. It's going to be quite the ride. Okay. Uh, I will get on my uh, my big boy Panticus. And, uh, <laughs> nice. Uh, with that, on. we'll see you next week, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. And uh, I'm sure we'll circle back with some uh, interesting thoughts on uh, Candlemass's debut. Yeah, have a good week, I guess. (laughs) Take it easy, bud. Later.